high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin! And this game is underway with a bang! This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Brewers able to salvage uh, the three-game series at home with the Miami Marlins. They stole one uh, this afternoon. That game wrapped up uh, just about an hour ago or so here on WKTY in the postgame, about a half hour ago. So so taking one of three from the Marlins, they won today 5-1. to one. They lost last night 8-3, to three, and last night kind of had that, that similar feeling from game one of the series where the Marlins scored 16 runs. Every ball was sneaking by a glove, fitting in between outfielders. Miami was making really good contact, playing really good defense. It's just the Brewers ran into a hot team. And it's unfortunate because I thought the Brewers had a really good chance to string together a couple of wins and a couple of series wins as well. Well, for the first stretch of this homestand, at least, that's not going to be the case. Only able to get one of the three uh, against the Miami Marlins. And some news in the NL Central as well. The Cubs finally pulled the trigger. They were the first team to flinch. They paid Craig Kimbrell. They add Craig Kimbrell to their bullpen, not the Brewers. Uh, so we got to talk about all that today. Radio Joe Zola, executive producer of the Bill Michaels Show, will join us at 530 to, to talk about a little bit of everything. Right now, I want to talk uh, about the NBA Finals just a little bit, just a little bit. And the Bucks as they pertain to the NBA Finals. Last night, the Raptors won at Oracle 123-109. And it felt very similar to one of, take your pick, of the four games that the Raptors beat the Bucks, where... Toronto just did good enough to hold that lead and to keep that lead. Golden State kept making runs at it, kept trying to draw closer, and and Toronto just at the right time would hit a bucket. Toronto at the right time would get a stop and get a transition bucket on the other end. Golden State would pull it into 7, pull it into 10, and then Toronto would promptly go on a a 4- or 5-point run and and gap it out again. It felt very similar. Bucks fans, you should have recognized what you were watching last night. Now, don't get me wrong. Golden State a little bit undermanned, as much as a Golden State team can be undermanned. No Kevin Durant, no Klay Thompson last night. And everybody is, is is talking about this. They're complaining about this. And I think this is unique to the NBA, where people just like to talk about how bad the ratings are and how nobody's watching. Now, I, I can't speak for all of our listeners. I can only speak for myself. And I guess uh, the, the number of fans, uh, not fans, but the number of listeners I've talked to, my favorite league is the NBA. I think I look forward to the NBA Finals. Uh, probably the most. Now, the Super Bowl is its own thing, so it's hard to compare anything to the Super Bowl, but I love the NBA Finals. And for me, it doesn't really matter who's in it. I'm going to watch because I like watching basketball games between really good basketball teams with good players and good coaching and good crowds, right? Like, that's just, that's watchable for me. Today, uh, all, all these articles, all these pieces coming out about how the the, the ratings have been bad. Last night, uh, viewership was down to a 10. TV ratings are weird. The, the numbers they use are weird. Down from both games one and two, they posted uh, a 10.2 and a 10.1. So not, so not much lower, right? It's understandable on a weeknight, right? I, I think it's being made into a big deal. Nobody's watching. Fans are upset because everybody's hurt and, and nobody cares about Toronto because they're from Canada, blah, 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 blah. Can we just, can we just enjoy some basketball? Can we just kind of kick back and enjoy Maybe the role players for Golden State step up. Maybe in a couple of years we'll be talking about the Quinn Cook game in Game 4 or in Game 5. You never know. Storylines have a tendency to come up in these series. So I, I don't know about you. I can't speak for you. I'm enjoying these finals. And it's been hard to watch Toronto because I kind of feel like the Bucks could be in the shoes 
that the Raptors are currently wearing. And I guess that's what this is about. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Last night I'm watching, I'm like, man, this could be the Bucks. I, I see a lot of parallels between Toronto and Milwaukee. They have one player who's head and shoulders better than everyone else. Kawhi is, is 1A. The rest of the team is not on his level. Giannis, I love Chris Middleton. Right, I, I like Eric Bledsoe. I like Malcolm Brogdon, but but nobody is in the same stratosphere on the same level as Giannis. Now, what Toronto and Milwaukee both did were build supporting casts, not only in the offseason, not only in the draft, but throughout the entire season, using trades and using buyouts, strategically building that roster to perfectly complement their best player. And, and the Bucks did a, a tremendous job, as did the Raptors. I, I think fewer people talked about the Raptors because they're from Canada and because Kawhi rested a lot. He wasn't in the MVP race. His name wasn't out there as much as Giannis's, at least until the playoffs, where he has excelled and, and outperformed Giannis uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. I watched the Raptors even in Oracle last night, which doesn't feel like a stage that the Milwaukee Bucks belong on because I've seen the Bucks be so bad and so dysfunctional. And because I've watched so much NBA basketball, I have never connected my team, the Milwaukee Bucks, with the conference finals and with the finals. So last night I'm imagining, I'm thinking, man, the Bucks should be there. Because this Raptors team was just a better, hotter version of the Bucks. They have Kawhi and everybody else. Last night, Kawhi Leonard had 30 points. Six assists. He had some rebounds as well. He had seven, seven rebounds, six assists. Like, that could be a Giannis stat number. Probably more rebounds, but very similar. And then their second best player last night was Kyle Lowry. He had 23. You're telling me Chris Middleton couldn't have 23? Right? Danny Green, Pascal Siakam both had 18. You're telling me Brooke Lopez and Eric Bledsoe couldn't give you 17, 18 apiece? And they also got 17 from Marcus Saul. Whether you want to ask that from Brogdon or, or Miritich or whoever you put in the starting lineup, like that, that's reasonable. That's realistic. It's hurt watching Toronto play Golden State. Because I feel like the Bucs are every bit as good as Toronto. They didn't show it, they didn't play like it. Right now, the Raptors are hitting shots. Danny Green is shooting the ball well. Something that the Bucs didn't do well. Their bench last night, they didn't, it wasn't an otherworldly performance. They only had 17 bench points, and they only got points from two players, Serge Ibaka and Fred Van Vliet. You're telling me that Ursan Ilyasova and George Hill couldn't do that? They absolutely could. It, it, man, it's a real shame, especially watching now that Kevin Durant's not going to be back in game four and Clay Thompson missed a game. Like That is a door of opportunity that has been flung wide open. And I know that the narrative around the NBA is the West is better. The West is way harder to get through. It has all the good stars. It has all the good teams. Toronto might just win this thing. I don't know if I'd pick them because I think the Warriors are that good and Clay should be coming back. And I think Kevin Durant at some point will come back. And by the way, Steph Curry had 47 points last night. But if the Bucs were there, I'd love their chances. Just like I like the Raptors' chances. It hurts. It really stings to be watching this right now. Because this could be the Bucs. I'm looking at the box score. And there's not a player and a, and a stat line last night where I'm thinking, that's a guy the Bucs just don't have. That's, that's a player that the Bucs should have acquired that they didn't. They, ha they have all of this. They have the coach that fits well, that the players get along with. They have the superstar and the complementary pieces that all fit together. And they have the bench. I still think, and I will go to my grave, thinking that the 2018-2019 Bucks had a better bench than the Raptors that year. 17 points last night. Six from Serge Ibaka and 11 from Fred, Fred Van Vliet. Like, George Hill could give you that by himself. Did give you that by himself a couple of times. Malcolm Brogdon could give you that. Ursan could give you that. Man, Miritich is on the bench. He's very capable of that. The timing just didn't work out. I don't know if the Bucs ran out of gas. 
I can't imagine they ran out of motivation. The, the shots just didn't fall. The plays just didn't happen. They didn't get the bounces. Uh, it's tough. It's been tough to watch. But I will continue to watch, regardless of what anybody says. Like, the ratings are down. Nobody's watching. Well, the people who are watching are watching because they're fans of basketball, and they want to see the best players. They want to see the best teams, the best coaches, the best arenas. So I'm having a good time. It's, it's with baseball. They're, ch they're chasing this, this audience that doesn't exist. Play to the audience that you have. Baseball has an audience that loves tradition, uh, that loves the relaxed summertime feel, that loves the sport. Don't go chasing an audience and, and abandon your true fans, much like the NBA shouldn't. I'm having a great time. Hopefully our, our NBA fan listeners are as well. And maybe if you're not an NBA fan, maybe you've you found a, a quarter or a half or just a game to sit down and enjoy as well. Because when your team isn't in it, that's what it should be about is, is sitting down and enjoying. Although watching Toronto succeed against Golden State through Golden State's injuries and, and through their mistakes, feeling, uh, man, it, it just stinks. Because I think the Bucks are every bit as good as Toronto. They didn't play like it. They didn't time it all out. They got healthy, much like the Raptors are, but they just didn't hit their shots. Uh, didn't make the plays that for an entire regular season and two playoff series, we were very used to the Bucks making. It's too bad. Let's talk about something a little bit more positive. The Brewers were at least able to win today. They lost last night and lost two of three in this Miami Marlins series. Uh, Craig Kimbrell signing with the Cubs. We got to talk about that. Oh, and by the way, uh, Radio Joe Zenzola will join us at 530. It's been too long. Producer of the Bill Michaels show. He's back from vacation, uh, back after covering the Bucks. So we're going to sit down and, and talk to him. I guess we're going to call him and, and talk to him at 530 about Brewers. A little bit about Bucks as well. I, 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 I try to not make him go through the same pain that I'm experiencing. So we'll focus on Brewers. There's a lot going on. Let's get to it all. Coming up next, the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports right here on WKTY. <laughs> This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for hanging out. Hope you're having an awesome night. Now, you can join in on the show. You can join in on the action if you want to talk Brewers. 608-796-2558. They beat the Marlins in the third game of that third game set to open up this homestand to just take one of three. Last night, losing 8-3. to three. Uh, this afternoon, winning 5-1. to one. That game wrapped up eh, just about a half hour before we got underway tonight here on WKTY. We've talked about it all week. I, I kind of feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but sometimes, man, sometimes you got to beat a dead horse. This is a stretch that's really important for the Brewers. They have some easier games against the Marlins, and then they get the Pirates at home, and right now the Cubs are going through the Rockies, uh, the Cardinals, and then they're going to go through the Rockies, and then the Dodgers. This, those second... Uh, Two series of the four are on the road. Like, like the Cubs and the Brewers are in different portions of their schedule when it comes to difficulty, when it comes to travel. The Brewers need to win some games and they need to make some hay. I'm not saying they need to gap the Cubs. I'm not saying they need to jump out to this huge lead, but they got to take advantage and make hay while the sun shines, especially because the Cubs aren't getting any worse. They're probably going to get much better uh, here in the next week or so because they added Craig Kimbrell, the, the the high demand reliever that everybody's been talking about. Everybody's been speculating. Where's he going to go? Who's he going to sign with? Rumor, rumor, rumor. And it started in the offseason when the Brewers were rumored to be in talks with Craig Kimbrell. And they were. And everybody at the time is saying, oh, my God, the Brewers are trying to assemble the greatest bullpen ever. Because it would have been Josh Hader, Jeremy Jeffress, Corey Knable, and Craig Kimbrell. Oh, my God. 
oh my God. Well, then it turns out that was because Corey Knebel was hurt, and then Jeremy Jeffords gets hurt, and and now not only do they not get Craig Kimbrell, but Kimbrell ends up going to the division rival Cubs. Now, all along this process, from the offseason, through the first couple of weeks, and then up through the draft, because that's what everybody was saying. Nobody's signing these guys because they don't want to give up the draft picks. Oh, okay, I, I personally, I would give up the draft pick. That's just me. There's 40 rounds. Can you not... You not part with one. That's just me. I'm not a, a baseball front office uh, member, luckily, for Brewers fans. But the Kimbrel deal with the Cubs was not that much money. I thought he would be more expensive. I think the Cubs got a deal. It's three years around $45 million, reported by Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic and Fox. He wanted close to $100 million. He wanted a lot of money. And a three-year deal, now it's no one-year deal. It's not exactly flexible for the Cubs, but it's not a five-year deal. It's not a six-year deal. It's not a 13-year deal like they got Bryce Harper for right in Philadelphia. It's pretty damn good. I would take that every day of the week. You're telling me Brewers paying $45 million out over three years for Craig Kimbrell. And you got to look at it this way. With a three-year investment, not only the Brewers are going to have him this year, but for the next two, when he can be paired with Corey Knable and hopefully with a healthier Jeremy Jeffress, and I don't think Josh Hader's going anywhere. The Brewers could, could it's all about staying relevant, giving yourself multiple bites at the apple, right? Well, this would definitely help with staying relevant over the next two years. You could absorb some injuries in your bullpen. Maybe you want to move some middle relief into the starting rotation, what have you. It's just another elite arm. And I feel like the Cubs, I'm not going to say they got a good deal, but, but, they're not walking away from this thinking, oh, man, if this doesn't work, we're so screwed. They didn't take a flyer. They didn't mortgage their whole future. It was somewhere in the middle. And when you're trying to compete for the division and you're trying to win another World Series, which the Cubs are and the Brewers obviously trying to get to and win their first, that's a deal that I'm okay with making. That's something that as a general manager, I can go to my owner and say, hey, we're trying to compete for the next couple of years. I know it's not a one-year deal. I know we're tied to this guy for a little while, but it's all about... Being consistent, right? Competing year in and year out, perfect. This is the kind of deal David Stern should be all over. I see a lot of Brewers fans today, and I think it's interesting. Brewers fans saying, well, it's, it's you Darvish again. It's their funeral. They want to pay that much money. He's not going to be that good. Just, just stop. I, I tweeted out, if you follow me on Twitter, at Keystroker Grant, you would have seen it right before the show. And I've talked to some friends today who are Brewers fans. And I think everybody's in denial. Everybody's trying to convince themselves that, oh, the Cubs... Cubs made a bad signing. Man, I think it's a pretty awesome signing. I think he's going to be good. He's not that expensive. The Cubs got him for a couple of years. When did a multi-year contract become a bad thing, by the way? I understand you like the flexibility that you get in a one-year deal, but Cubs are trying to compete for the next couple of years. Brewers are as well. I don't mind the three years. I think the, I think the Cubs got a pretty good deal. I tweeted it out. Brewers fans seem to be in a little bit of denial, and it's funny how the narrative can sometimes change as soon as the player that is coveted by a fan base, sign somewhere else, right? We need Craig Kimbrell. Let's let's bring back that power bullpen, get Josh Hader some help, stabilize things, and let's really make a run at it this year. Craig Kimbrell, he's got championship experience. Let's get him in here. And then he signs with the Cubs, and it, oh, way too much money, way too much. Three years? Yeah, good luck. You're strapped to him uh, for the next three seasons. Your funeral, right? You want? Let's do you, Darvish, all over again. Like that, That's the reaction uh, from some Brewers fans. Not going to say all. It's funny how the narrative can change as soon as a division rival signs a player that uh, that everyone wants and that everyone is desiring. Now, I know it's a limited sample size, but in, in doing a little bit of research and doing a little bit of digging, just seeing how Craig Kimbrell has fared against the Cardinals and the Pirates and the rest of the NL Central in his years, and obviously he's been in the American League, 
So those numbers, those interactions are going to be kind of sporadic and and difficult to measure. But in his time pitching against the National League Central, he has an ERA of .154, and he's got 40 saves. Oh, yeah, by the way, in his career, he's never surrendered a run against the Brewers. Do I think that's a huge deal? No, but it's not It's not a small deal, right? It doesn't mean everything, but it certainly doesn't mean nothing. We saw the Cubs signing Quintana, who I want to talk about more here in a minute or two. The, the Cubs signed Quintana, and he he hasn't been consistently great. He's had good moments, but he's definitely been an up-and-down sporadic pitcher. And, and Cubs fans, if I'm wrong, call me on it, but I don't think that's an unfair assessment of Quintana. But you know who he's been great against? The Brewers. It's been lights out against the Brewers. And because of that, the Cubs will go to their grave, and rightfully so, saying that signing was worth it. It was worth every penny. It was worth the time and all the seasons invested in Quintana because he helped us beat the Brewers. Remember when Lovey Smith was the coach of the Bears? He was a pretty good coach. He was a very good coach. Won some playoff games, went to Super Bowls, right? But why did he get fired? Because he couldn't beat the Packers. Couldn't beat the Packers. You're not doing your job if you can't beat your division rivals. So even if Craig Kimbrell stinks, if he can beat the Brewers, it's worth it. If he can beat the Cardinals, it's worth it. Because that's what it comes down to is winning in your division, beating your rivals because there's only one playoff spot up for grabs in the NL Central. Wild card excluded, of course. This feels like Jose Quintana, who when it came down to it, was Brewers were close to getting him. Instead goes to the Cubs, and, and they're still paying for it every time he pitches against the Brewers, which seems to be every series the Brewers and the Cubs meet. Very different strategies the last couple of years between Chicago and between the Brewers. And part of that is market size. And look, until the Brewers lose and are eliminated from the playoffs, I'm not going to play the, the small market card. I'm not going to play victim today. I thought about it, uh, but I'm not going to today. I'm going to save that one for later. You know, I, I like to play that card sometimes, the victim card. The, well, there was no salary cap. That card, I'm going to save it. But the Cubs over the last couple of years have been in on these deals, right? They got Quintana. They got you, Darvish. And now they are getting Craig Kimbrell. And the Brewers have been in on all these deals, right? That's David Stern's trademark. I want to be in on everything. I want to be in on every conversation, every negotiation. I want to talk to every player, which I think is a tremendous strategy. But it's really all pomp and circumstance. It's all fluff unless you actually bring in some of these guys. And don't get me wrong. David Stern's and the Brewers front office has been more than willing to bring in players to help the team. Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, Asmani Grandal, Mike Moustakis, right? But the pitching has been a little different. They have been leery to give starting pitchers and relief pitchers Money and multi-year contracts, right? The Brewers are are paying for it with Quintana, right? Now, they were able to beat him last year and get into the playoffs. But Quintana has bested the Brewers certainly more times uh, than not. Now, you Darvish hasn't worked out, but Cubs still landed him, landed a free agent. They were willing uh, to kind of jump into the water, jump into the deep end and, and take a risk to try to compete. And now they're doing the same with Craig, Craig Kimberl. And, and I think Brewers fans have it in their mind, and sometimes I fall into this trap too, that the Brewers are are performing well and playing well and contending and, and winning the division last year because they don't like to overspend for Quintana, for Darvish, for Kimbrell, right? The Brewers, that's what's helping the Brewers win is that they are not willing to go spend money on frontline pitchers or, or make a deal uh, to bring in bullpen help or starting rotation help, right? That's why the Brewers are having success. I'm going to argue that it's the opposite. I'm going to say the Brewers are successful despite their reluctance to go get help in the pitching department because you can say a lot about David Stearns and 
the success he's had bringing in players in all different ways. Christian Yelich through a trade. Lorenzo Cain through free agency. Both have worked out. Mike Moustakis first in a trade, now bringing him back. He had two home runs today, which is something that I haven't even mentioned yet. Right? Yasmani Grandal has certainly worked out. What do those players have in common? None of them are pitchers. And the Brewers, I think, are prioritizing offense. They want to win with offense. But much like I think the Brewers are winning despite having a concrete, routine starting rotation, I think they're winning despite David Stern's strategy of we want to be in on every conversation, but we don't necessarily want to pay these guys a lot of money and actually bring them in. Now, we'll see how it goes with with Dallas Keuchel. It sounds like the Braves are the front runners now. They have that familiarity with Brian McCann and, and all sorts of factors at play. They seem like the front runners now to get Dallas Keuchel. The Brewers have been frugal. They've been strategic. And fans could argue that that's why the Brewers are being successful, right? It certainly allows them to be more flexible. But flexibility doesn't mean anything if you ultimately fall short of the, the goal which has been stated very clearly by David Stearns and Mark Atanasio and everyone in that front office that we are here to win a World Series. So the end-all be-all is if, if you're flexible and you're saving money and, and you're you're keeping your options open with Keston Hira, that's great, but it ultimately doesn't matter if you fall short of your goal, which is to win a World Series. Their words, not mine. Let's talk Brewers baseball with Joe Zenzola. You hear him uh, producing the Bill Michaels show every day on WKTY from 11 to 2. We're going to get his thoughts, his takes coming up next on the five-star telecom talking text line. Don't go anywhere. More of the Wisco Sports Show back in a moment here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. You can always listen on our mobile app as well and at WKTYsports.com. My name is Graham Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for tuning in. We've uh, we've been covering Brewers ground today. And anytime we're talking about the Cubs, I feel like it's bad news. The Cubs are beating the Brewers. The Cubs are signing Brewer or players that the Brewers wanted. Uh, so, of course, we've been talking about Craig Kimbrell today and what that means for the Brewers and the rest of the Central. And uh, most importantly, the Brewers just lost 2-3 or to the Marlins, which is uh, not exactly how you wanted to start out this homestand. Here to talk about all of it with us on the 5-Star Telecom Talk and Text Line is Radio Joe. Uh, Joe Zenzola, the producer of the Bill Michaels Show. You hear him every day, 11 to 2 on WKTY. Joe, what's going on? It has been a long time. Yeah, when was the last time I was on the show? I feel like we were talking either Packers or maybe Bucks. I, I don't know. It's been a couple of months. It, it has been a couple of months. And, and I reached out, but you've been on vacation. You've been covering all sorts of games. So you've had a lot going on. Yeah, and I'm still trying to catch up on everything. <laughs> well, uh, luckily you took a vacation to, to kind of – uh, get over that Bucks loss. I was talking to start the show. Well, let's start with that. I was talking to start the show. I love the NBA Finals. I've been watching them. I know the ratings have been down and people have been complaining. I just like watching basketball. But, Joe, I can't help but but look at this Raptors team and say, this could be the Bucks. Like, they have very similar players. They play very similar roles. They just would have hit their shots, been a little bit cleaner, and, and done things they had throughout the regular season. I think the Bucks could very well be up 2-1 to one on the Warriors right now. It's It's stung. It's been tough to watch. Yeah, I mean, they really should be in the NBA Finals. And you know what? It's it's funny when, you know, you look at, they were up 2 nothing, and I'm pretty sure the majority of people across the state thought this series was over, right? Oh, I, did. I mean, it just, yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone, you know, felt that way. And then it was funny, after the Bucks lost the series, then all of a sudden people came out of the woodwork saying, oh, see, you should never have said it was over after 2 nothing. There was still a lot of basketball to be played. It's just like, get out of here. Everyone knew the Bucks 
were going to run away with that series. There were so many things stacked against the Raptors, it wasn't even funny. But you know what? They wanted it more. The the, the Raptors wanted it more. They played great defense inside. They stopped Giannis. I mean, they more than contained him. And Giannis was terrible from the free throw line, which didn't help matters either. And then you had your you had the Raptors bench owning the Bucks bench. And we talk about how the Bucks bench production was just unbelievable all year round. Yeah. Well, no one was hitting. And meanwhile, you had guys like Fred Van Vliet, you know, acting like he was Steph Curry out there. I mean, if you took Fred Van Vliet out of the equation in that series, Bucks probably win. I mean, Fred Van Vliet was hitting everything. And then the Bucks on the other end just couldn't answer. So, you know, watching that series down in Florida was just, it was painful. And, you know, and I, I was trying really hard not to tweet. I was trying really hard not to overreact at all because, you know, you're on vacation. You're Be trying on vacation. To, right. You're trying, yeah, you're trying not to think about work, but this is the Eastern Conference Finals. So, at, at the end of the day, I mean, you have to give credit to the Raptors. They they wanted it more. They did. And it's carried over now into the finals. and. They have a good chance of winning this entire thing, and it's unfortunate because I think if the Bucks were in this position now against Golden State, they would just have as much of a good chance beating them because you don't have Durant, you don't have Klay Thompson, yeah. and that would, that would have gone a long way for the Bucks. My God, they were so close. Uh, it would have been huge. Well, it's the same story, right? Fred Van Vliet gets hot. The Bucks don't have anyone get hot. It would have taken one guy. Like It would have taken one guy to get hot during the NLCS last year. And it yep. didn't happen. And speaking of the Brewers, we I've been talking with my listeners this week about the, the stretch right now for the Brewers versus the Cubs because obviously the division is very close. It's within a game or two. They're kind of going back and forth. The Brewers have a couple against the Marlins at home and then a couple against the Pirates. Some very winnable games in there. And the Cubs right now are about to go through a stretch of the Rockies twice, uh, the Cardinals, and the Dodgers. And they got to go to L.A. for four games. This is a stretch where the Brewers, at least I hoped, and, and I was talking with my listeners about where they could make some hay. I'm not talking about putting a huge gap in the division. I'm not talking about running away with anything, but you could win some games and really put yourself in a decent position. Well, dropping two of the first three against the Marlins was kind of a rough start. What do you what do you take away from, from this homestand right now with the Brewers after that three-game set just wrapped up this afternoon? Well, look, it, it, even if they had gotten swept to the Marlins today, it would not have been the end of the world. There's still a lot of baseball to be played. And, you know, I, I learned... You know, when you've been doing this now for the last few years, you you learn more and more things that, you know, baseball's a long season. I mean, I remember last year the Brewers got swept in that five-game series with the Pirates, and then right after that lost two out of three to the Marlins, and it seemed like the sky was falling. Uh, look, it's not the end of the world. I mean, I, I remember two last year. The Padres came into Miller Park, took two out of three. Yeah. Uh, from the Brewers, you know, Corey Knable was not pitching well at the time. He had a meltdown in one of those games. You know, it's just, we we have to remind this fan base that it is a long season. Yes, every game is important, but you've got to understand you're not going to go 162-0, and and you're probably not going to be winning 100 games either. We know how tough the division is. Uh, we know how tough the NL is. The NL is very competitive this year. And I'm trying not to dwell on the division standings every single day. I'm trying not to, you know, check every day to see what the Cubs and Cardinals have done. I just want the Brewers to try and do their best and take care of their own business. And, you know, you weren't able to do it against the Marlins. You did some damage control today. It was good to see the bats get going. But now you're going to go up against another NL Central team and the Pirates you just owned last weekend. It'd be nice to get fat on them again. Take at least two out of three. Get this thing back on track because you got a West Coast road trip coming up that's not going to be easy at all. 
you got two games against Houston. Good luck with that. Yeah. Then you got San Francisco, which, you know, they're not going to be easy either. And then the Padres aren't bad as well. I mean, that, that's a team that's on the rise. They're, you know, they're kind of in a rebuild still, but they've got some good young talent. So I, I just think as of right now, the Brewers just need to try and, you know, take care of their own business, try to stay above 500. I mean, we've, we've seen them in the past, Grant, where they're kind of streaky, where it's like they win a couple of series and they lose a couple of series, and then they win a couple of series, they lose a couple of series. But even if they're not able to pull away from the Cubs here in the next couple of weeks, yeah. I still don't think it's the end of the world, man. There is just so much baseball to be played. Just don't get on significant losing streaks. That's really that's really all that matters. Minimize losing streaks. Uh, I, I would agree. Radio Joe, producer of the Bill Michaels Show, joining us on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. Joe, I, I think I have you pegged correctly here, so so correct me if I'm wrong before I ask this question. You, you are a very conservative, you are a very realistic Brewers fan. You don't like to deal a ton of high-level prospects. You want to be careful with the money you pay free agents. Would, would that be a fair assessment of, of the way you would approach the Brewers? Yes, overall, yes. <laughs> okay. That is You've you've got that about right. Yes. Oh, okay. So we're talking about how how the Cubs they got Darvish over the Brewers. They got Quintana over the Brewers. Now they get Kimbrel over the Brewers. And, and I think fans might have it in their mind that the Brewers' way is working. We're being frugal. We're being strategic, and we are winning because of that. Could I make the argument, Joe, that the Brewers are really winning despite the way that they've handled acquiring players? Like David Stearns has been very very. Adamant about helping the offense, Grandal, Moustakis. But when it comes to pitching, he, he kind of just likes to patchwork it and just fly by the seat of his pants. I don't think the Brewers are winning because of that. I think they're winning despite of that. And, and Craig Kimbrell's contract, three years, $45 million, I, I don't think that's terrible. Like, they want to compete for the next couple of years. So what's wrong with a three-year deal? Why is that that much worse than a one-year deal? I, I, I look at this move by the Cubs, and it's another instance where I'm saying the Brewers should have made that move. Well, look, I, I don't know. There, there, there's so many different ways to go about this. Yeah. Look, I understand and I support David Stearns and how he wants to build this baseball team. And it's his mission to go out there and say, look, we're not just going to go all in on one particular year. We want to make sure that we're sustaining success for years to come. Because the bugaboo for years from this organization was mediocrity. The bugaboo for this organization was well, hey, if we have a 500 season, that's pretty good. That's not bad. Look what we did. Hey, we finished the season two games over 500. Oh, that, that's just great. Now, David Stern is looking at a bigger picture here, and he wants to win World Series just like anyone else. But I think there's, there's got to be some kind of number in mind between Stearns and Mark Adonacio to say, look, we can't spend any more money than this. And you know Mark Adonacio. He he wants to spend all the money. He wants he wants to get all these guys, but I think he has a limit too. So they have to keep that in mind. And I just think if you look at Craig Kimbrell, that was too rich for him. You saw right before the season started, there were negotiations between the Brewers and Kimbrell. You saw those reports from John Heyman and Ken Rosenthal. I think it was over years. I really do. I, I just don't think that Stearns and company were willing to give Kimbrell a three-year deal like the Cubs did. You know, maybe they wanted to pay him, you know, $12 million for one year and maybe tack on an option year, kind of like what they did with Yasmani Grandal, but they're not going to go any more than that because they understand that there's going to be some of their younger players they're going to have to pay in the next couple of years. Yeah. There's going to be arbitration going on for a lot of these younger guys. And you just you got to be so smart with how you're spending your money, not just this year, 
but next year as well. So th- there's many different factors that go into it. Um, but look, David Stearns last season, he made a lot of trades. He made a ton of trades to improve that baseball team, starting from Mike Moustakas to Curtis Granderson to Joaquin Soria to Xavier Cedeno. I mean, all the way down the line. And last last year, too, it was crazy. I mean, you had maybe one or two good pitchers per month, and it kept being different guys. You know what I mean? Like, they're, outside of Chassin last year, there really wasn't a consistent Brewers pitcher, but they were able to able to piecemeal. You know, Junior Guerra had a good stretch. Brent Studer had a good stretch. And you didn't have Zach Davies. Chase Anderson sucked. And you still found a way to win the division over the Chicago Cubs, the same team that got guys like Quintana, got guys like you, Darvish. Um, I, I, it, it, if you want to look at the, the, the rotation right now, Grant, they have a lot of options. You yeah. know, you saw Freddie, Freddie, Freddie Peralta today. That was a very encouraging outing. That's his second best outing this season, going back to the eight-inning scoreless performance he had in his second start of the year. That was cool to see. But you've got Jimmy Nelson, Gio Gonzalez, Chassin, Davies, Woodruff. You, you start lining all these guys up, and that's not a bad group of pitchers. The problem is you've got guys that are hurt. You've got guys that are underachieving. And Stearns is looking at that situation saying, look, I don't think we're ready to make a big move here for another starting pitcher. I'm confident in all these guys. But what Stearns has to say to himself is, what's the limit going to be? Where, where am I going to draw the line and say, okay, I can't trust this pitcher anymore. This is a need. We need to get this done before the end of July. I mean, he, he has to have... He has to have those questions in his mind, and I'm sure he's consulting that with the rest of his front office. So I think right now they've got talent there in the rotation. It may not all be hitting right now, but I think at some point Stearns will you know, make that decision to address it if some of these guys don't get better or don't get healthy. Brewers fans, at the end of the day, have to stay patient. I agree. I, I, I sometimes forget that we're not even approaching the trade deadline yet. So as players are being acquired, well, mostly – Craig Kimbrell and, and Dallas Keuchel, that it is a long season. We saw David Stearns manipulate and add and subtract things from this team long into August uh, and, and past the trade deadline last year with Gio Gonzalez and Curtis Granderson. So I think it is a good piece of perspective, Joe. That's Every time we talk, I do feel like I get a good piece of perspective and I come away with a more open mind, with a wider picture, which I think is always a good thing. Well, I also hope I don't overload you with my rambling. <laughs> That's why we have you, Joe. Thank you very much. And uh, and I know Bill's going to be in lacrosse next week. We are all very excited. And if you ever want to come visit lacrosse, Joe, we'd love to have you. I leave that up to the boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to approach things. I know I'm needed back here, so it's it's okay. One of the, one of these days, I'd love to come out there. You can uh, hold the fort back down in Milwaukee. Joe, thanks for a couple of minutes. Hope to talk soon. Yes, anytime, Grant. That's uh, that's Radio Joe Zanzola, executive producer of the Bill Michaels Show. You hear him every day, 11 to 2, alongside the big unit, Bill Michaels, on WKTY. And the big unit will be in lacrosse next week for a couple of days. So you know Dave and Scrady are going to be ready to party. Uh, he's going to be all over some of our programming and out at some of our favorite spots as well. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll keep you in the loop. But thanks again to Joe for joining us. And as always, providing realistic, uh, wide views of a Wisconsin sports team. Never getting too high, never getting too low. That's the the Radio Joe special. When we come back, I want to talk a little Packers. I want to talk a little football because something hit the internet today, and trust me, there's some wild stuff on the internet. Uh, this was right up there. This caught my eye. This was weird, and a lot of people were talking about it. So we're going to talk about that, Aaron Rodgers, uh, and the rest of the NFC North. 
division coming up next as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show right here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Big thanks again to uh, Radio Joe Zenzola, host of the, uh, or executive producer, rather, of the Bill Michaels Show for giving us a little bit of time on the five-star telecom talk and text line to talk brewers. I want to talk a little Packers. It's kind of been fun this week. We've been talking little Bucks, little Packers, little Brewers. We talked a little Badgers last week. We've got a good mix right now. A uh, 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 mixed uh, fruit salad of sports uh, this week, and it's been a lot of fun. Today, I'm on Twitter like I am wasting away parts of my day. And I, I see this article that's been written at the Bears Wire, which I believe, and let me check, is part of the USA Network, USA Today, I believe. This isn't a little blog. Yeah, USA Today Sports. It's not a little blog. This is a legitimate uh, article. They have a Packers Wire uh, with, some, with some really good content and, and well-sorted, well-written content. This is not a, a rinky-dink blog. Uh, talking about who's the best quarterback in the NFC North, okay? Now, now I think... You would get argument from no one in the world that Aaron Rodgers is is the best quarterback in the NFC North. And that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to wave a banner and remind everyone that Aaron Rodgers is the best. Because I don't think that's a point of contention. The The title of this article is, is Mitch Trubisky close to dethroning Aaron Rodgers as the best quarterback in the NFC North. Hmm. I, I, I don't know much about Mitch Trubisky. And I feel like Bears fans would tell you as well that we still really don't know what he's going to be. Been with different head coaches, different coordinators, and last year you really saw him take a jump, but there were also moments last year where tucked in games that were very good, there would just be a moment where it's like, what are, what are, you, what are you doing? What, what did you see there? Where was that in the game plan? Or where, what read was that? And that's all it really takes. You see with Alex Hornibrook, two mistakes, three bad reads and bad throws per game, that's all the difference a defense needs, Right. Mitch Trubisky, in this article, they have him ranked at second, okay? Yes, in front of Matthew Stafford. Now, if you want to argue Trubisky is better than Cousins, go right ahead. They're very different quarterbacks, but Matt Stafford is is, is Matt Stafford. This is what Quinn Harris, the author of this piece, had to say. I'll admit this ranking is difficult. Trubisky's sample size is extremely small, and you can make quite the case that the other veterans deserve this spot more. But not much separates the final three players, and Trubisky took a major step forward in 2019 in Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich's first year in Chicago. He's poised to break out in his third season. He boasts a big arm, but showed the league how athletic he was, rushing for 421 yards, fifth among quarterbacks, and provided uh, another threat defenses needed to account for. Trubisky's strat stats stretched over a full season would have put him at roughly 3,700 yards with 27 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. It will be extremely tough to unseat Aaron Rodgers as the best signal caller in the division, but number 10 is ready. Uh, number 10 is ready to firmly entrench himself as the second best quarterback in the division this season. Okay, I would I, I would think Lions fans would take issue with that, and I would I would wager a guess that that Vikings fans would would be a little taken aback by that as well, declaring Mitch Trubisky the second quarterback, second best quarterback in the NFC North. Now, for me, that article wasn't blasphemous. It wasn't disrespectful. It, it was just an article opposing an opinion. That's what I do. I get on here and say my opinion uh, each and every day, right? The thing that got me weirded and wild out uh, was, was a tweet by Michael David Smith, who is the managing editor for Pro Football Talk on NBC, you know, with, with Florio and Sims, very legitimate, very well-sourced, very well-produced uh, content. He quoted this article... And he said this, and this is a very interesting take, and it sets kind of a weird, wacky precedent, okay? 
Michael Smith says, if we're considering age and contract, which we always should when evaluating players, Mitch Trubisky is already the top quarterback in the NFC North, and it's not even close. And I say that as someone who stands by my criticism of Ryan Pace trading up for him. Oh, okay, wait, 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 wait. So if we're talking about the best quarterback, do we take age into account? Do we take contract into account? Because the last couple of years in the NFL have been one big, giant campaign for getting a cheap rookie quarterback who you're not paying anything to, and then going for it and putting everyone around. And we saw that with Russell Wilson. That's what the Rams did with Jared Goff. That's what the Eagles did with Carson Wentz. That's the trendy new thing. Are we really emphasizing contract of a quarterback over talent, over experience, right? Over accolades and awards and accomplishments. Are we really emphasizing contract that much to where we're willing to, to, to take the leap and say Mitch Trubisky is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers simply because he like makes less money? Okay, well, what does that mean? That now all of a sudden Geronimo Allison is the best wide receiver on the Packers? Right? That Malcolm Brogdon is the best player on the Milwaukee Bucks because he's still on his rookie deal and Giannis is, is that extension into his time. He's he signed that extension and making more money. I, I don't I don't understand that logic. And, and maybe as a sports fan, if, if you were to pose the question this way, all right, you're starting a franchise right now. Would you rather have Jared Goff? Would you rather have Patrick Mahomes? Would you rather have Aaron Rodgers? Well, a lot of people would say, well, I'd rather have Mahomes. I'd rather have Goff. I'd rather have Trubisky because they're younger. Okay, that's obviously. But now are we starting to talk about contracts? We're starting to talk about money and, and, and portions of the salary cap that are allocated to the quarterback because that's what really makes a quarterback great is if he's cheap. I'm not offended by by somebody saying Mitch Trubisky could very well be the second best quarterback in this division. I don't think Lions fans would love it. I don't think Matthew Stafford stands would love it, but you could certainly make the argument. But to say that Mitch Trubisky is the better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers and it's not close simply because of his age and his contract, man. Man, oh man, oh man. That is a, that is a, that's fishing. That's what that is. That's fishing for something right there. And I guess that's what Twitter is. But an interesting, an interesting idea. That you can say one quarterback is better than the other simply because of the amount of money that you're paying him. Now, that being said, the Bears are paying quarterback money to Khalil Mack. So if it uh, does it really make a difference, I don't know. But it's an interesting take and it's definitely an interesting way to think. Uh, an interesting lens to look through when, when, when analyzing quarterback play. I think that's the best way to put it. Brewers back in action tomorrow. We'll continue to talk about Packers OTAs and get ready for the weekend as well. Final Wisco Sports Show of the week will be at the same time, same place tomorrow. Can't wait to be back. Talk to you then.